He died for you. He died for me. From our sin, He set us free. He loved us so. His life He gave. So if we ask, we can be. Hello, I'm Rick Hurtless, founder of His Gospel Power. Thank you for joining with the program today. We are talking about the last days. The end times are here. We don't know exactly what that means or how long it's going to be, but what I do know is that we are in the last days and that we should be proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ whenever possible. We're in the book of 1 Peter, the second chapter, and we are now at the seventh verse. And so we're talking about um, Jesus Christ being the cornerstone, being the living stone, and the fact that we are living stones as well. Now, of course, the, the word talks of him as being the living stone, capital S, and we are the living stones, small s. So we are those who are subordinate to Jesus, who are supposed to be proclaiming his gospel at every, at every place that we can do so. So now let's go into verse number 7. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and the stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. I don't know how much time we're going to spend on this, but we're going to spend as much as we can to try to understand exactly what this is talking about. The stone the builders rejected. Okay, that's easy enough to understand. Jesus came... Uh, as we read and uh, and as we've seen even in First Peter, but as we've seen in John, where Jesus is the light and then the darkness has not understood the light. And so the darkness, of course, is the world. The builders rejected Jesus. They were built. They thought they were building uh, the things of the world. But Jesus was the cornerstone that needed to be built on. Instead, they rejected that cornerstone to build it on their own worldly values, their own worldly thoughts. They have rejected the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. But here's the part that gets a little bit uh, um, convoluted is the stone that causes men to stumble. Now, now that think about that. This is basically saying Jesus causes men to stumble. But now I thought Jesus was the Prince of Peace and uh, and I thought he was the light. And I thought he was all of those things, but yet it says that he causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Well, I think if you look politically for just a moment, look at all the things going in Washington, it actually becomes pretty evident because all of what we are seeing in the last election, all of the evil has been exposed. And all of those men were basing all of their, their careers on worldly philosophy. Well, once Donald Trump came out and started uh, exposing the lies and exposing uh, the truth, those men began to fall. They could not withstand the scrutiny. Uh, now, is Donald Trump perfect? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying that uh, anything of the sort. What I'm, I'm talking about the others now more than Donald Trump is that when those lies began to be exposed, when the lies of Hillary Clinton began to absolutely be exposed, 
they could not withstand the truth and she fell. So the, the truth, when the truth is, is given and the lies are exposed, it will cause men to fall. It will cause men to stumble. Brother Ron Stoidel is, uh, in the studio with me. Brother Ron, what is your take on the, on the stone that causes men to stumble? I think you put it perfectly and that was a good example. It's when lies are exposed, it causes the sinners to stumble because they're no, their, their sins are no longer hidden and they're no longer getting away with them. So once they're exposed, they basically at that point have to deal with them. And, and it really, you might even, I guess, uh, causes men to stumble and maybe at, at that stumbling and they fall, at that point they're allowed to repent. Uh, because it's recognized, you know, and so in some, some ways, maybe it brings them to Christ. Some it pushes away. I mean, sin is a twofold thing. Uh, the truth is twofold. Well, we're hoping Jesus is talking here that they fall on their knees in repentance. Right. But I don't think he is because <laughs> once we, when we get to this next part of this scripture it says they stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they are destined for, what they were destined for. Now, okay. <laughs> Well, and that that could be saying that if it could be talking about the wicked again, if you are so wicked that your sin has to be exposed publicly, that it, you may be too far. And at that point, it becomes exposed. So the rest of the world will see it. And then you'll have to deal with the repercussions. And of I it. think it is talking about the wicked because... I remember I said they stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. And then verse nine says, but you, but you are a chosen people. So it's not talking to the chosen. What the ones that he's talking about have fallen are the wicked and those who are exposed are the wicked. Most likely, or maybe I don't know if I should say most likely, but probably are those who have actually rejected Christ and cannot come back. So they have, they have already made their decision, and now they cannot come back. Uh, that's kind of what it all, because it says it's, it's separating the two. They stumble because they disobey the message, which means when, it didn't say they disobeyed the message. It says they disobey the message. They are still in the act of disobeying. They're, they haven't repented. They haven't come back. They are still in the act of disobeying the message. Well, if we look at, uh, verse 7 and 8 combined, the stone that the builders rejected. So that's saying that they have rejected, right. they rejected Christ. Christ. Exactly. So, yes, they could be beyond that point right. of being saved. So, yeah, if you look at them all together, then, yes, they could be the ones that have rejected him completely, and God still exposed their sins, and... Then they still dealt with the repercussions, and they are beyond the point of salvation. Exactly. And now, when is that? You know, we've talked about that before. We've talked about um, that you reach a point to where God gives you over to a reprobate mind, is what Scripture says, and uh, and basically you can't come back. You you are done. You know, stick a fork in it. You're going to hell. You're on your way. When does that happen? Well, as I think. I personally, I believe as a, as a person, I'm not sure I can make that call. Now, what I can do is I can give the gospel. And if the gospel is still rejected, then I can leave that person alone 
The Bible is also says, do not cast your pearls before swine. You've already done it enough. Uh, you see what's happening. I think that there will be discernment of spirits. You know, Second Corinthians tells us about discernment of spirits. And what that is, a uh, that is a gift. And it is all also something that you may not walk in constantly, but God can give you at a point in time. It says that you need to reject. Uh, I mean, this you have to reject this spirit because it is not of God. And so at that point, you know that they have rejected Christ. And uh, and they're not coming back. The the um, Hebrews, it says um, in six, chapter six, verse four. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away to be brought back to repentance. Now. I'm not going to get into a huge theological discussion here. I do realize, I know Brother Ron, uh, you know, we've discussed this before. He believes this means you can actually fall out of salvation. I actually don't believe that. I believe that uh, if you are saved, you are saved, and you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You can't come back. I believe this scripture is pointing to those who have actually seen all of the power of God. Uh, they've seen everything going on. And then they've rejected it. They, you know, I, I liken it to um, Pharaoh. Pharaoh absolutely was enlightened. Would you not agree? Oh, yes. He was absolutely enlightened because he experienced all of the miracles that were brought. And his his magicians and all of his, his um, wise men, quote unquote, came in. And they said some of these things that Moses had done, they just said, we can't replicate those we can't duplicate those and so pharaoh knew they were absolutely miracles they were enlightened but he rejected them anyway now was he saved no he was never saved he didn't lose his salvation but yet it came to a point where god would not allow he had now made his full decision i am not coming to you god i am my own god and god says fine then you can't come it says the bible says that pharaoh was was uh, God uh, basically put a veil over his eyes so he could not to make sure that he did not come back. And I think one of the purposes behind Christians knowing when someone has become so wicked that they can't be saved anymore is so that we don't waste our time that we have on earth exactly. witnessing to somebody that is not going to accept it at any point beyond that. It's it's it would be like witnessing to Satan. Right. At one point. And you so, know, he, he, unfortunately, now, there is a, uh, uh, a theology, I guess you could call it. Uh, I don't know. Heresy might be better. Better. Uh, universalism. Universalism thinks that everybody's going to be saved. It doesn't matter how bad they are. Even Satan will be saved. That is, uh, that is that, uh, mamby pamby, uh, thinking, the bleeding heart thinking. That well, God, there surely God could not send people to hell for eternity. But God doesn't send people to hell. Exactly. So that, that just exactly. Their so theology. it just proves it because they choose where they want to live. Oh, That's yes. the thing. They're going to make a choice where they want to live for eternity. You can live with God, or you can live away from God. If you choose to live away from God, it will be a place called hell with the absolute absence of God, which means the absence of love and the absence of light. So if God is light and in him there is no darkness at all, what is the converse of that? The Satan is darkness and in him there is no light at all. 
And the Bible says many times that hell, hell will be a place of darkness. So, you know, so that, that's where we're, that's where we're falling right here is that these men have stumbled and maybe he's talking about those who cannot come back because it says, which is also what they were destined for. Now, I'm not talking about predestination. You know, again, you can get into some theology here. Predestination to me is very simple. God predestines us because of his foreknowledge. He already knows what we're going to choose and what we're not going to choose. He does. And so at that point, did he make did he make up their mind for them? No. But he predestined everything that was going to happen surrounding that because he knew the decision that was going to be made. Right. And the difference with the predestination theology is it takes away free will from people. Right. Because they won't have the choice on whether they want to choose to live for God or not because he's basically going to make them do it. Yeah, and and God doesn't want a lot, about a lot of little puppets that he made. If you if you have something that you're making love you, do, does it really love you? No. I mean, God seeks relationship. And you can't make something love you. It's just not possible. And God knows that. Uh, so he doesn't do that. He lets you decide, are you going to love him? Or are you going to love the world? Are you going to love your lifestyle that you have now, Your, uh, you know, that's anti-God? So do we need, at this point, to get into companion robots that you can program <laughs> to love you so that you don't have to have real relationships right. with people? Right, I mean, and they are, and you know what, and the, as science fiction as that sounds, that is absolutely what is going on right now. They are working night and day trying to make this happen. Um, and it, there again, it's going to be that perverse relationship that Satan is doing because he wants to make sure that... Um, uh, it's it's fake love. It really, the love of the world is fake love. When somebody says, uh, "Well, I don't know. I don't know if I want to get back into that." Discussion well, we, again. we can even look at it as in Japan, the elderly have these companion robots just to keep them company. And I feel bad for the the elderly because that they can't trust their family to come and visit them. Right. That they have to have this robot. And there's nothing sick or sadistic about it. It's just something to keep them occupied, almost like a TV. Right. Exactly. But exactly. It's that, just, that just proves how the family has fallen right. apart, that the elderly feel they have to have an inanimate object to do something that their family and should I be doing. And I think eventually it's going to get sick and sadistic. Well, they're already, <laughs> we, we could go into that work, side yeah, of it. They're already working on that aspect as well, but you're right. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with seeking... Something like you said at that point is like TV or a new car or something like that. But yeah, it's unfortunate that that's where the the family has gotten that the elderly don't even right. feel that their family. Well, okay, you can even take it. I know I'm gonna step on a lot of toes here, um, and some some that are gonna say, "Well, you don't, you just don't know where I'm at." Well, yes, I do because I've been there. Uh, we take our elderly, we put them in a nursing home. Some never see their family again. I mean, that's the sad truth of it. They some are put in a nursing home. And then they never see their family again. That's the sad part about it. Uh, there are also those, however, who just don't want to be. It's elderly abortion is what it is. They don't want to be inconvenienced 
by the fact that their mama or their daddy, who gave them life, gave them shelter in their early life, fed them, made sure they had clothes, made sure they had the finer things in life, then they discard them in a nursing home just because they are inconvenient. Well, that that's <laughs> and I, that's just elderly abortion is what I call it. And and I agree with that. And for an example, one thing that my parents did when my mom's parents who lived in Michigan were no longer able to live by themselves, it was just physically dangerous for them. My parents built a new house with an apartment attached to their house so that they could live basically in the same house as them but have their own little solitude. And they lived there for years until they physically could not take care of them medically that they needed such constant care that at that point they had to have 24-hour supervision and and they had to go into a nursing home at that point just to medically make sure they right. were safe. And, and I mean, you know, and of course some people might be saying, well, I can't afford to build a house, another house for my, for my uh, loved ones. Well, you can bring them into your house. You know, there's, there is something you can do. Yeah. Is it going to be inconvenient? Yeah. Are you going to have to change your lifestyle? Yes. Is it going to be scriptural and your love showing love to your parents? Yes. I mean, that is the one of the, one of the the commandments of, you know, of the, of God is that um, we should love our, our, uh, our parents. We have to, we have to love our parents. We can't discard them. We have to, uh, to honor our father and mother. Well, and I know most of, the baby boomers, which are the ones I'm mainly talking about, most of them still own their own homes. They still own their own cars, even though some shouldn't be driving. I'll say that. <laughs> but, yeah, like what well, my parents did. My mom's parents, they sold their house, and they used that money to add on the addition. Right. So it's not that you're having to put all this money out of your own pocket. A lot of them have a lot of that's assets. Right. They have the wherewithal if they would just do it. Right. And of course, but a lot, most of it comes down to our American thinking again. We don't want to be inconvenienced. That's the main staple of abortion. The main staple of abortion is not because it, initially it was sold to the public because they said, well, there are so many women, uh, that it's a, uh, it would be detrimental to their health to have this baby. That was what was sold to the public. Well, number one, there were not so many women that that was happening to. But number two, that's that has nothing. That has so little to do with it now. That's like less than one percent are health issues that people get abortions. Now it's about money and convenience. It's convenience for the for the would be parents, and it's money for the abortion clinics. And so the abortion clinics they want to push abortion. They don't want to push put the baby in a foster care or, uh, I mean, in a adoptive relationship or anything like that, or they don't want to, to minister uh, how you would take care of the baby once it gets here if you're, you know, if you're a single parent. No, just kill the baby. Or it's inconvenience. Kill well, it. yeah, if the baby's born, Planned Parenthood doesn't make any money off of it. Exactly. That's my point. Planned Parenthood is all about the money. You can say what you want about Planned Parenthood. Uh, if you know, there's a, a lady out there named Abby Johnson has written a book or maybe more than that now about, she was a director of Planned Parenthood. She'll tell you the truth. You don't want to hear the truth. Those of you that are sitting out there saying, well, Planned Parenthood does a lot of good things. Planned Parenthood's main mission 
is to make money from abortion. That's the bottom line, and uh, that's what happens. So if you um, don't want to face up to the truth, then don't read any of these things that we're telling you to. But if you want to face up to the truth, then then investigate it a little bit. Find out how much Planned Parenthood is like 85 or 88 percent of their of their uh, uh, income is from abortions. And you think they want that income to go away? No, they don't. It's it's amazing that just doing a little research, you find out what is behind these organizations and why they do what they do. The if you look at what what's the reason behind homosexual marriage? And I've asked this to homosexual couples. Why do if you're already doing everything a married couple does, why do you care if there's a piece of paper just saying that what you're doing is official now? And it's all about the money. They go, "Well, we want all the benefits that regular That's people right. have." It's not that they think that it's something special. Because they can do the same thing they would do anyways. It's all about the money. The only reason the homosexual marriage agenda was pushed was for money. That's right. It was for all the tax benefits and everything that that, uh, married couples get. And they were saying they were jealous because, well, we're a couple and we don't get that. Well, oh, well, you know, because you're not truly married. We went over that already. Uh, There's no way you can marry two two like objects it can't it can't happen well they don't fit the constitutional criteria that this nation was founded they on. don't fit the biblical criteria well which I, is the constitution right I, I like to exactly. think the constitution and I because I know I've studied the founders and right. their, their beliefs when I say the constitutional uh, well, the, criteria it was it was, it was based it was based on biblical criteria. Right. So, so, yeah, we, we have those people out there that say, well, this isn't a Christian. Okay, so I'm going to say the constitutional. Right. So if it's not constitutional, then it shouldn't be done. Absolutely. Great. But, yes, of course, we know the Constitution was based off biblical right. principles. Right, and even though, I don't know, duh, why can't people see that? Or, or why won't they acknowledge that? When you look at the Ten Commandments, there are laws. You know, you shall not murder. For a long time, as you should not commit adultery, that was illegal in the military. For it still is actually in the military, they still frown on that. Um, there's lots of the laws you shall not steal. Uh, lots of laws that our our laws were based upon. Okay, well, let's move upon. Move on. Uh, we are now First Peter, second chapter, verse nine. But you, we've already read this actually a few days ago. But I'm gonna now we've gotten to it actually in the scripture. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Isn't that awesome? We are a chosen people. Why are we chosen? Because we chose God. It's it's kind of a, I don't know, it's almost an oxymoron and it goes around in a circle. But we're chosen because we chose. We chose to be chosen. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That is you if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And it even hits what I talked about with darkness and the light. Who called you out of darkness. See, many were called, but few are chosen. Because there are many around the country who are called by God. He wants them to come to heaven, 
but they will not choose him. They choose their own lifestyle, their own degradation, uh, spiritual degradation of their lifestyle. They don't want to follow what God has because it's not convenient. It's not fun. And what you find, it really is a lot of fun. You know, it's better to do, to live like that, like the Christians do, because for one, you can go out and uh, have a good time and you don't have to wake up with a hangover in the morning. That's one good sign right there. One good thing you don't have to worry about. So that, uh, th- there's many things that makes it more fun to be a Christian. Uh, again, those are just lies of Satan. Well, I like to think that what we do here is fun. Some people may think, oh, they're just there. That must be hard work. And all. No, me me and you, Pastor, we have a good time here. We, That's right. We have discussions off air. We, we joke and learn new things. So this is fun to us. We don't do this because it's torture. We do it because it's fun and we enjoy doing it. And we enjoy the ability and the opportunity to get the word out to our listeners. Exactly. And so, you know, it's a, just like, but I want to read this again because we were just talking about this uh, last week, I believe it was, that we are a holy nation. Okay? We're not Americans first. We are Christians. We are a holy nation, a nation of Christians. That's what we are. If we are in Christ, we are a nation of Christians first. That means if our nation does law, if our national laws do not go for Christ, we stand for the laws of our holy nation, and that are those in Christ. If it te- if our laws come out, which really many are trying to do, that it is illegal to be a Christian. So, are you going to still be a Christian and obey the law, or, or I mean, or are you going to obey the law? Are you going to stay a Christian, or will you obey the law? I'm going to stay a Christian. I will be against our laws because I'm part of the holy nation, a people belonging to God. Let me continue. Verse 10 says, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You see, once when you're in darkness, when you are out there, uh, when you are a sinner and embracing sin, you are not a people of God. You are a people of the world. So whatever it is that you've chosen, that's what you are. You are, but but it says, but since you are, you were not a people of God, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy because of your lack of declaration of Jesus Christ as Lord. You were going to receive no mercy. You, were, if you live by the law, you will be judged by the law. So when you stand before God, God is going to take out the law books, and those who have not accepted Jesus Christ, he will judge them by the law. And he will go down the law, and you cannot break the law. If you break the law, you're going to have to go where the penalty of breaking the law was. And that means if you if you um, sinned at all, you broke the law. And so then you will be judged by that, and of course, then you will be sentenced to a life in hell. You have chosen to live by the law. Again, God is not sending anybody to hell. You've chosen to live according to the law. So he's going to judge you by the law. And now that you are in Christ, now that you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, now you will not be judged by the law any longer. You will be given mercy. 
because you have accepted Jesus Christ and you have you are covered by his blood for his sacrifice. Remember, we talked about in verse 19. It says, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, that you were redeemed. Remember that? We just got through talking about that. You were, were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down by you from the forefathers, but with the precious, precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, you were redeemed. And so that is what this is talking about, that you will receive mercy because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 11, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world. Are you getting the theme of Peter here? You are strangers and aliens of the world. You are not to uh, go along with what the world believes. You are to think what God would have you to believe. He says, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Have you felt that? If you sin, if you are of Jesus, if you're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and you sin, do you feel good about the sin? No. I know in my own life, when I wasn't living for Christ, when you would sin, you would know you probably weren't doing something right, and but you didn't feel a conviction about it. When you're saved, you immediately, well, you should know ahead of time. The Holy right. Spirit should be convicting you ahead of time. But once you commit the sin, you have that immediate conviction knowing that I just broke that personal relationship with Jesus that I did something wrong. It's almost like with your parents, when you did something that you know if they find out about it, you're going to be in trouble. It's the same thing with Jesus. Once you do that, I believe Christians immediately know when they've sinned, and it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit so that you can immediately repent and be free from that sin. The world doesn't have conviction because they don't care to obey the law because they don't fall under the law that we do. They fall under the worldly law, and the only reason they're concerned about that is because they'll have to pay worldly fines or time for it. But they have no spiritual conviction because they don't have the Holy Spirit convicting them. The devil's not going to convict them because he wants them to be comfortable in that sin so he doesn't lose them. Yeah, I mean, Paul said in Romans 7, uh, verse 14, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Did you get that? Paul is saying that, look, we are sinners. And what we we want to do, we try to do, but we don't always do. Many times, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I do it anyway. And that's what Paul is saying. But the difference between sin of a Christian and sinners is that once we recognize it as sin, we repent of our sin. We turn to God. We t- we repent of that sin, tell him, uh, ask for his forgiveness, and then move on. And that is not what the world does. The world says, you know what? 
It, you sin, but who cares? It's no big deal. Everybody does it. Keep on going. That's not what we are to do if we are going to remain in Christ. Well, we're through it for today. We've, uh, uh, we're going to come back again tomorrow and continue this study in the last days. First Peter chapter two. If you, uh, uh, do not have our app, go to iTunes or to Google and, um, get our app on your telephone so you can listen to us anytime or hisgospelpower.org. You can listen to our program. Also, if you'd like to donate to this program, you can push the donate button on the app or on the, uh, on the website and you can donate. All of your donations would be greatly appreciated. It helps us to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. Thank you for joining with us. Until tomorrow, I pray you receive His gospel power today. My life was flying by. I always wondered why. I was so empty deep within. But then you came to me and let my spirit see. Show